Good morning, everybody. Welcome. Good to see you. My name is Alan. If we have not yet had a, the, the opportunity to meet, so thankful that you're here. Thankful that you are with us online. If you're here in the room, then hopefully you received this little uh, card, which is part of our celebration of Martin Luther King Day tomorrow. And on the card there is, he has a quote, no one really knows why they are alive until they know what they die for. And um, the reality of in our country right now is that uh, I'm not sure that we would all die for the same thing right now. That there's so much division, so much, uh, the, so much them versus us, uh, etc. And so as we head into inauguration week, this week, I thought we would just take a moment, before I get started with my message, uh, that we would just take a moment and pray together for peace and for wisdom here in our nation that is, uh, like I said, so divided in so many ways that many view that, uh, that we're coming out of something awful and, uh, here this week and, and, and others view that we are heading into something awful. And so we're in different places here in this room, and I, I know that, but I just want to remind you that our hope is not tied to what happens in Washington, D.C. It never has been. It never will be. That's not where our hope is connected with. And I was reminded of this in a powerful way this week. I got a, an email from Camille Melke, who oversees an organization called Heart for Lebanon, which is an organization that we have partnered with for a number of years. And he sent an email to a number of people in the United States informing us of what's going on in Lebanon right now. Letting us know that for the past five months in the country of Lebanon, they have been without a government. They have, they have been, they continue to be without a government in the midst of their crisis. And as a result of that and a number of other factors, the hospitals are over, uh, overloaded with patients. They cannot take any more patients. So as a result, sick people are dying in the streets, they're dying in the parking lots of hospitals. They do not have enough medicine to deal with basic prescription needs in the country. And then this past week, they entered into a 24-hour countrywide lockdown. 24 hours lock, 24 hours a day, locked down in your home for a period of a week or two weeks or something while they try to figure this out and slow down the, uh, the coronavirus in that country. And at the end of this email, Camille writes, uh, he says, but, but we have tremendous hope with the opportunities that we have to show the love of Christ to others here in our country. Camille writes from Lebanon to us in the United States about the tremendous hope that they have because of what they share, what they share in common with their hope in, in Jesus Christ. And that's what we have in common here in this room, here in this, here in this country. What we can have in common is that there is a God who created all of it and that's where our commonality uh, comes from. That's where our hope comes from. Would you join with me as we, as we pray? Father, I'm so thankful that you are in control. No matter what our perspectives are, political perspectives, no matter what our backgrounds are, no matter hopes and thoughts and dreams over the next week, years are, God, you are our king. You know exactly what's happening in Lebanon. You know what's happening in the United States. You know what's happening in Washington, D.C. And you are in control. You are, not, you are not worried. None of this stuff has slipped through your fingers. And so we put our hope and we put our trust in you. 
And we want, as followers of you, God, we want to tap into your love for one another. Not the judgment, not the hate, not the fear, God, that we would tap into your love and, and your grace that you demonstrate for us. May we have that for one another. We pray in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Well, this morning I'm going to continue with the journal that Duane had talked about. If you have your journal, please uh, pull it out. Um, here we are in week three of part blue. If you have been with us for a while, this is our fourth 18-week journal experience that we have done. We did part orange and part green and part red, and now we're doing part blue. If you would turn with me to page 26 and 27, this is the beginning of week three, which is what we're in right now. And uh, what I'd like to do on this page is have a little Dead Poet Society moment. Okay, so would you take page 27 and just, okay, you don't have to rip it out. You don't have to rip it out because there's some, there's some good uh, daily devotionals on the other side of that. You don't have to rip it out. But what I would like you to do, and for those of you at home, if you have your journal, please get a journal. Please get a pen and cross out the title for this morning, Choose Wisely. Cross that out, and I would like you to write in a new title. I'd like you to write in the title, Do You Have a Memory with God? We're going rogue here this morning. We're going, we're going off the path. We're getting crazy in here because I want to take the opportunity, as we continue to talk about this idea of make a memory, I want to make sure that this idea is crystal clear with us here today. And so that's why I want to take a, a, I do not want to go down the path I intended to go down. I want to go down a different path. We here at Mountain Park, we talk about um, the, the three makas, that it's really our strategy in terms of what we're doing and, and how we want to fulfill our mission as a church. And they're wrapped up in these three things. Make a memory, make a friend, make a difference. Make a memory is all about me. It's about what's happening inside here and what's happening inside here. It's all about me and my relationship with God. Make a friend is all about us. It's about how we interact with one another. It's about how I speak to you and how I listen to you, how we communicate, how we interact with one another, how we love one another. Make a difference is all about them. It's all about the people that we have not yet met, all about the people in, around our world that we do not have daily interaction with, that we use our resources as a family, as a community, as a church to, to impact the world. That's what makes it make a difference is all about. Make a memory is all about me. Make a friend is all about us. Make a difference is all about them. But this series is about the top one. Make a memory, which is all about me. It's about my relationship with God. What I mean by that is that there are only two people, two beings who truly know how that's going, and that is you and God. That is it. I can fake this with all of you as, I, as your pastor. I can fake this part of my life, my relationship with God. I can fake it for years. I can fake it with my kids. I can even fake it to a significant degree with my wife. Only I know truly if I'm living a life that is surrendered to God. Only I know truly when 
in, um, when, if I'm worshiping God, if during the songs or as I go for a walk, if I'm truly worshiping my God or if I'm just, just trying to make it look like I am for the sake of other people. I'm the only one who truly knows what's happening in my relationship with God. And when we have a relationship with someone, when it's a real, actual relationship, there will be memories. There will be moments that we can recall that are a part of our journey. I'm not saying this so that you can sit here and go, wait a minute, I, I can't connect with the idea of having a memory with God. Maybe I don't have a relationship with God. I, I, maybe, I, maybe I'm going to hell. I don't know what the, that, that I don't, that's not why I'm saying this. I'm saying this because I want to strengthen your relationship with God. If you do have a memory with God, then in this series and as a part of this, of this value here, we want to unearth those memories. We want to uncover those memories. We want to enjoy those memories. If you do not have a memory with God, then let's make them. Let's make memories. The reason that I want to go off the rails and go, you know, go down a different path here with this message here today put it in four-wheel drive and really kind of get after it today, is that uh, with some conversations I've had with people over this week, I've realized that there was some level of ambiguity around what we mean by make a memory. As I've talked with people, and there's been a lot of conversations about uh, the value of us making memories with one another, and I just want to be super clear that what we mean by make a memory is about you and your relationship with God. Last week, I talked about the joy and the strength and the beauty of having memories with one another and, and that we can recall these memories and that's what leads to great friends and et cetera, et cetera. But the reason I talked about that is because that's something we can relate to. We can all relate to the value of having memories with people that we, do, that we interact with uh, in real life. And my hope is to take that and translate it, shift it over to this value of, of what can happen in our relationship with God. We know the benefit of having memories with people. My hope is to translate that and to say, we relate to this, so can we shift this over to our relationship with God and see the benefit of us having a relationship with our creator? Okay, let, let me give you another human example in terms of the value and the benefit of making memories. When I talk with married couples who are struggling, I often like to, in some part of the conversation, I like to go back to when they were engaged or when they got married. And just, just to take your mind back to that moment, that, those years, that season of your life, that part of your relationship. Go back there to when you were madly in love with one another. I know things don't look all joyful right now, but just for a moment, go back to when you were madly in love with one another. And invariably, people often respond and they say, yeah, well, that was a different time. It was a different decade. Uh, she was a different person. He used to write me songs, and he doesn't do that anymore. So how am, it's just a different thing. I understand that, but there's tremendous power and benefit that, to, to going back in your memory to when you were madly in love with one another. That even though things, there may not be a lot of hope right now, there was a time when there was tremendous hope in your relationship. And what can happen is if we can go back there, if we can tap into some of that, it can give us tremendous hope for what's happening now. 
It, it may not be great right now, but it was great, and it can be great again. This is also why I, I like to say to dating couples or married couples who are considering marriage, I, I like to say, you know, if, if you in your dating relationship, if you find yourself fighting all the time, fighting about lots of different things, you are uh, banging heads about all sorts of issues, you're breaking up and then getting back together and then breaking up and getting back together again. But, but over the four-year period of time, you really said, you know what, we've been together for a long time, and so, so I'm willing to get married. If that's where you are in your engagement story or your, your dating story, run away. Run away, end scene, okay, end scene and move on. Because here's what happens, and I've seen this over and over again. Ten years down the road, or maybe it's not even ten years down the road, you look back at the engagement or the wedding and you say, I knew it. If, 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 if you doubt it in the dating and the, and the wedding part of it, you are going to doubt it later on. You're going to say, I knew it. I knew we shouldn't have got married. It was never there in the first place. And you'll hang on to that. You won't have that memory. So I'm not saying that, you know, make sure your wedding is perfect and every, all your cake is perfect and the flowers are perfect. I'm not saying that. I'm saying have a memory about how you felt about one another, how you loved and connected with one another. Because when things, when things aren't so great, it is so powerful to have a memory of when things were great, it will help you through those times. And it's the same in our relationship with God. That when we make a genuine, real memory with God, we will benefit from that for the rest of our lives. We will be able to look back on that and remember and be thankful for that for the rest of our lives. There's a prophet in the Old Testament named Jeremiah. And so a prophet is someone who speaks to people on behalf of of God. And there were multiple prophets in the Old Testament journey. That's the story prior to Jesus, but the majority of our Bible is the Old Testament journey. Jeremiah was one of those prophets, and he was known as the weeping prophet. He had a rough job. Job probably had the worst job in the Old Testament story, and Jeremiah likely had the second worst job in the Old Testament story. He went, he went year after year after year trying to tell the people what God wanted to tell them, and they wanted nothing to do with what Jeremiah had to say. There's a whole book called Jeremiah of his really difficult, difficult journey. Then at, the, at, at some part of his journey, after the Jeremiah uh, story we find in the Bible, immediately after that is a short book called Lamentations. Jeremiah wrote a book called Lamentations. Okay, this would be like me writing a book called Whining and Complaining. Okay, this, this would not be a bestseller. There's no way this would be a good, you know, move for, for me to capture this. He wrote a book called Lamentations, yet it's in the middle of that book, Lamentations chapter 3, that he writes this, as part of a difficult journey with God, he writes in Lamentations chapter 3, beginning in verse 22, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. This was not written by a man who was bouncing in the meadows with loving every moment that he had with God and, and the ministry that he, he had for him. This is... 
These are the words of a man who had a difficult, difficult journey. A guy who said, today may not be great. This year, this decade might not be great. But I know that God is great. I know through memories in my own life and through knowledge of who God has been, that God, God is faithful. He is good. He is just. He is merciful. I know of, the, of how great God's faithfulness is. And that carries me through moments where life is not so good. That's the beauty and the power of having a memory with God. As we jump to the New Testament, it begins with the four Gospels, the four versions of the story of Jesus. This is where we have most, the, most things that we are familiar with in the Bible, the many beautiful stories and miracles and teachings of Jesus. He spent most of his time with 12 disciples, 12 young men that he identified, who, who, that he taught and he poured into. And it's those, through those young men that, that a revolution of love was started throughout the rest of the New Testament. But Jesus also had multiple encounters with a number of other people that we find in the story of Jesus. And so I just wonder, could you, could you imagine being one of those people? Set aside the 12 disciples for just a moment. That, that would have been unbelievably amazing. But could you imagine being someone who had an encounter with Jesus? Just can you imagine if you were one of those people, do you think you would ever forget an encounter, a one-on-one encounter that you had with this rabbi named Jesus, do you think it would be possible to forget? Do you think the woman who was caught in the act of adultery, and then she was, she was dragged and, and, and set before the people who were judging her, and who knows what she was wearing in that, in that moment, Do you think there in that moment, and what they were supposed to do based on the law was to throw stones at her to kill her. Do you think she would forget that man who stood among that crowd and said, those of you who are without sin, you cast the first stone at this woman. Do you think she would ever forget that encounter with Jesus? Do you think that changed her forever? Do you think Zacchaeus would forget about that rabbi who called him down from a tree and then said, hey, I want to go to your house with you and I want to meet with you and your family and I want to tell you about the true story of humanity and what this all means and who I am, Jesus the Messiah. You think Zacchaeus, whatever, kind of as an older man, would sit down with his grandkids and say, hmm, I wonder if I have any important stories to tell you. Do you think he would forget that moment, that day with Jesus? What about the Samaritan woman? Samaritans were not supposed to interact with Jewish people, let alone a Jewish rabbi. And Jesus comes up to her at the well. Do you think, do you think she would have forgotten that encounter with Jesus? Jesus offers her, he says, you, you're looking for regular water. I can provide you with living water. Do you think that that Samaritan woman later on in life would think, hmm, that guy at the well, I'm trying to remember if he was offering me living water or if he was hitting on me. I can't quite recall. Do you think there would be any confusion? I don't think so. I don't think when we have a genuine, real encounter with God that we we, we forget it. And the whole idea is is that we can hang on to those, cling to those as memories that provide tremendous benefit for us in our relationship with him. 
I think sometimes we have a tendency to dismiss or forget or set aside some of those memories. I think, I think there's an enemy, call him devil, Satan, whatever. There is an enemy of your soul who wants to sabotage your relationship with God. And I think that enemy wants us to dismiss those moments, those memories, wants us to forget them, wants us to believe that it was just a coincidence or it was just wishful thinking on our part that we had that moment 25 years ago, whatever. I think the enemy wants us to just, to just set that aside, blow that away, because the enemy knows that those memories are the backbone of a relationship with God. They are the backbone to carry us through days that don't seem great. So let me re-ask the question that is the new title for this morning. Do you have a memory with God? I thought it'd be helpful today for me to share a memory from my own story as an example, to just give you an example of what I'm talking about, what I mean. This is a story in my own life that is very profound, but I don't talk about it because it's actually quite embarrassing. And, but I've, I've just decided I'll be 50 this year, so I, I don't have to care anymore. That's, that's a beautiful part of getting old. What, 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 what do I got to lose? Okay, so let me just tell you a terribly embarrassing but profound story for me. This is a memory that I have with my God. Between the ages of 14 and 20, okay, so these are, these are very influential, soul-shaping years. I chased a girl named Tracy. Seven years. Okay, this is like an ultra marathon of chasing when ultra marathons were not cool. Okay, I was chasing this, this girl, and we were very good friends over those seven years. And we went in, you know, at times we were, we were best friends throughout that journey, but we never dated. We never kind of crossed that line. We were very, very good friends, but we never went into the dating zone. Throughout those seven years, I would flip back and forth from content with our friendship to wanting more from her, wanting more from the relationship. And she was very comfortable staying over on the other side of just being content with the friendship, if you know what I mean. And so for seven years, I had a tremendously you know, a roller coaster experience with this, with this girl. Because, and, and every time that I would swing back, it would get more and more painful. And it would take more and more time for me to recover from the, from the pain of that to recover. Okay, do I even want to continue a friendship, et cetera, et cetera. It just became a difficult, difficult journey. Ultimately, at the age of 20, when I was a senior in college, it, it came to the point where she and I had to decide, are we just going to get engaged? Even if we've never dated, but are we, we know each other so much, are we just going to jump in and get engaged or are we going to stop our friendship? I remained hopeful even at, even at the end of the seven years. And she made her decision by coming to a gathering. We were, she and I were kind of waiting on, hey, what, what are we going to do here as we finish up our senior year? She came to a gathering that I was at and she kind of stated her position by bringing a new boyfriend to that setting, which was a very clear communication to me. And so I did what any young, mature man would do in a situation like that. I locked myself in the bathroom. 
Okay, it was at a house, it was at someone's house, and so I went into the bathroom, and I, I locked the door. And like I said, it's been seven years, and I knew what kind of a situation this was going to be for me. I knew the depth of this moment, the depth of this situation, I, and I knew, in comparison with all the other stuff, this was going to be a doozy. This was going to be one, I don't know how I was going to be able to move on, you know, get through this. And in that bathroom, I started singing softly a song that I had learned at a campus ministry that I was involved with. It was, to me, it was a new song that I was starting to learn with these with folks I was connected with, this campus ministry, and it was based on Psalm 121, where the, where the writer, the ancient writer says in this song, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from you, maker of heaven, creator of the earth. I started softly singing that song. And then the chorus goes, oh, how I need you, Lord. And I'm singing this song, and Jesus speaks to me in that bathroom. Jesus, I believe, spoke to me and said, Alan, I've watched you through the seven years. And here right now, I just want to tell you, I made the mountains. Now, I'm, not, I'm not talking about South Mountain. I, I grew up in Western Canada. I'm talking about the Rocky Mountains. Alan, I made the mountains. Do you think I am not powerful enough to help you through this moment? <laughs> and right there in that bathroom, I promise you, this is my story. You don't get to tell me that it, wasn't, that it wasn't profound. I promise you, right there in the bathroom, I was done. Right there in the bathroom, I was done. No sadness, no grief, no self-pity, no self-loathing. I, I, just, I, just, I stood up and I looked in the mirror, and I didn't even recognize the handsome man in the mirror that I was looking at. I stood up and I said, my goodness, my God is great. And I unlocked the door, and I went into that party, and I smiled. It wasn't a fake smile. Smiled my way through, but I left. I didn't want to stay. And I left. <laughs> and then I graduated from, uh, finished uh, my degree in college, and then I went on an exploration down in the States and had this incredible journey where I met somebody, where I felt called to ministry, and then I did my graduate school in Indiana or went to seminary to study to be a minister, and then as a part of that experience, I had the opportunity to go to Africa, to teach in Africa, and while I was teaching in Kenya, I met my gorgeous wife. Yeah, that, that, was, that was my journey that flowed out of this thing. Let me tell you. This is what I mean by make a memory. This is my story. That moment in that bathroom was an anchor in my journey with God. Uh, it's almost like, like our spiritual journeys are, 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 are a journey of climbing a mountain, climbing a spiritual mountain. And we're not climbing to gain our salvation. We're just climbing because we want to get closer and closer to Jesus. We want to become more and more like Jesus. So it is a spiritual climb that we that, that, that becomes, you know, we're moving some days and then we're just kind of just sitting there for other days and then we kind of tumble back other days. It is a spiritual climb. And that moment in that bathroom was an anchor smashed into the rock. What I mean by that is as I'm climbing, boom, there was an anchor in the rock 
And what that means is that at, at any point when I continue after that, when I would doubt, when I would question, when I would think, man, is there really a God? And, and does that God really know me or love me or care about me? And if ever I fell, boom, I would go down to that spot. I would never fall to the bottom again because I had an anchor in the rock in my relationship with God. And then over the years, there have been other moments, other memories, new anchors in the rock on my spiritual climb up the mountain. I continue to fall. I continue to stumble. I have bad days. I have bad months. And I will fall and I will stumble, but I will never go all the way to the ground because of the anchor in the rock. Do you have an anchor in the rock of your spiritual journey? Do you have a memory with God? Something that no one can take away. I'm not talking about some kind of nebulous mumbo-jumbo, ooh, it's something I just can't explain, and so, ooh, so maybe God was a part of it. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a moment where you know the God who revealed himself in Scripture showed up, met you, had an encounter with you in a, in a, in a very real way. Maybe, maybe you were... Maybe you were young, very young, and there was some trauma in your life. You, you lost someone you loved, lost someone you cared about. And in that moment, somehow, unexplainable to you, God sat down with you and spoke to you. And no one can take that moment away from you. Maybe it was when you were in college and you were wrestling with your faith. And what so often happens in college is we have to make a transition from my parents' faith, from the faith that I grew up with that was kind of passed on to me, to my own faith. And that happens at different stages in different people's lives. And as you were going through that journey and realizing, this is my own faith, this is my own connection and relationship with God, maybe there was something profound that happened in the middle of that that you have forgotten about for years. Maybe it was a worship service that you were part of. In some church, in some city, in some part of the world, where you believe God spoke directly to you. You know. It doesn't matter what was happening in the room. doesn't matter what was going on. You know God spoke directly to you. Maybe it was a spiritual retreat, some kind of camp. Maybe it was a crisis in your life and you believe you had some kind of encounter with God. Do you have a moment? Do you have a memory? Have you made a memory with God, an anchor point in the rock in your journey and your relationship with him? Because if you do, then what we want to do is unearth that. We want to we pull that up, uncover that. We want to enjoy it. We want to focus on it. We want to benefit from it because it's the backbone of our relationship with God so that we can continue to climb and not fall all the way down to the bottom again. So here's the action step today, hopefully for you to stir up some of these memories. Whatever group that you're part of, a group of friends, a small group, a home group, a Bible study, your family, your spouse, a group of people that you do spiritual, a spiritual journey with, you just have spiritual conversations with people, and ask one another, do you have a memory with God? Do you have a story? Because here's what happens when we listen to other people's story, and I've seen it happen this week. It triggers something in us. 
Because what happens is we hear somebody else's story and we go, that's right. Something similar to that happened to me. God worked in a similar but different way in my life. And it can unearth these beautiful memories that are a part of your life. So I encourage you to have those conversations. If you have memories with God, let's unearth them. Let's uncover them. Let's enjoy them. If you do not yet have memories with God, let's make them. Make a memory. And we will benefit from that for the rest of our lives. We're going to sing one final song together that celebrates the goodness of God. Just like Jeremiah, no matter what's going on right now, I will remember and celebrate the goodness of God. Those those memories, uh, just the, the idea of who God is, may that give us strength and hope and power today. As we head into that song, would you stand with me? I want to pray with you, and then we'll sing one final song. Father in heaven, I, I, I thank you for my stories, for the moments that I've had with you. And I know they are just one of thousands of stories represented here in this room. I thank you for those stories. I thank you for the ways that you continue to pursue us, that you want to make beautiful, unique memories with each and every one of us here in this room. I pray during this song, God, during this day, during the rest of this week, that we would uncover some of these memories that we've had with you, that we can draw the strength and the power and the hope from them. We pray in the name of your son, Jesus.